0: CHAPTER TWENTY-FOUR OF A MATING IN THE WILDS BY OTWELL Binns. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THE TRAIL TO PARADISE When Ainley lifted a white, tortured face, it was to find the man whom had used as a tool, and whom, having used, he had tried to kill, seated by the fire, staring at him, with his evil eyes full of hate. The others also sat watching him, all except Helen, who had withdrawn to the shadow of the wood, and was walking restlessly to and fro, unable to witness further the downfall of a man whom she had known so well. For a moment there was silence. Then Anderton spoke. "'Would you like to hear Chipmunk's story, Ainley?' "'There's no need that I should,' answered Ainley, with a bitter, hopeless laugh." I can guess it fairly well." The mounted policeman was silent for a little time. Then he remarked, "'The implications of this story are rather serious for you, Ainley.' "'Oh, I know it, don't I?' "'Then you admit?' "'I admit nothing. I reserve my defence. That's the proper legal thing to do, isn't it?' "'It is the wise thing, anyway,' said Anderton." "'The wise thing! again a bitter mirthless laugh sounded when did i ever do the wise thing i suppose i may consider myself under arrest detained on suspicion admitted the policeman i think i must trouble you for your pistol and hunting knife once more ainley laughed his bitter laugh and unbuckling his belt threw it to the policeman it isn't often you arrest an old chum he said no agreed anderton thank heaven "'But you understand, Ainley, I've no option. "'If you were my own brother, it would be the same. "'The oath of service is a very exacting one, "'without fear or favor or affection of or toward any person, "'so help me God. "'A man can't?' "'You needn't apologize, Enderton. "'I recognize the situation well enough. "'Don't mind if I lapse into silence, do you? "'There are some letters I want to write.' he unbuttoned his furs and taking out a pocketbook and pencil began to write jean bernard having fed his dogs began to prepare a meal for himself anderton sat by the fire staring into the flames reflecting on the irony of fate that had selected him of all men in the mounted service to be the one to arrest his quilem fellow student stane had turned away and joined helen who still paced to and fro in the shadows her face as her lover saw was full of trouble oh she whispered it is unbearable to watch a man one has known go all to pieces it is certainly very sad agreed stane out of whose heart all hatred suddenly vanished i wish that things were not as they are let us try to forget said helen with a quick glance towards the fire Tell me what happened when you went out of the cabin last night. Well, answered her lover, falling into step by her side. When I went out, I thought I was certainly going to my death. Ah, I knew that was in your mind. But how did you escape? It was a narrow thing. An Indian grappled me, and another man was hurrying towards me with an axe. I could not get away, and a third person appeared suddenly with a knife. I thought the knife was meant for me, but it was not. It was meant for my antagonist, and he went down, and, just after my, my savior, was killed by the second Indian, who also struck at me, knocking me senseless. Who was the person with the knife? Someone with Jean Bernard? No, answered Stane slowly. It was the Indian girl, Miss Godede. Miss Godede cried Helen in utter surprise. Yes, I did not know it at the time. BUT WE FOUND HER AFTERWARDS, JEAN Bernard AND I. IT WAS A DREADFUL DISCOVERY. JEAN HAD COME BACK TO HIS CABIN, HOPING TO MARRY HER, AND SHE HAD DIED FOR ME. OH! SOBBED HELEN, IN A SUDDEN ACCESSION OF GRIEF. I WOULD HAVE DONE AS MUCH. I KNOW, ANSWERED STANE QUIETLY. AND LAST NIGHT, WHEN YOU WERE IN THE WOOD TOGETHER, AND I HEARD YOUR VOICES, I WAS JEALOUS OF THAT GIRL last night and at other times. "'But,' said the man, a note of wonder in his voice, "'there was no need, Helen, you must know that. "'Oh, yes, I know it now, but she was very beautiful, "'and Gerald Ainley had suggested that you, that you. "'And I am sure that she loved you, "'but not more than I, though she died for you.' "'I am very sure of that,' answered Stane, earnestly, "'putting his arm about her and trying to comfort her. "'Helen sobbed convulsively. "'I shall always be grateful to her, "'though I was jealous of her. "'She saved you for me. "'And she was only an Indian girl.' "'She had a heart of gold,' said Stane. "'She came to warn me, "'and then stayed to do what she did.' "'Both were silent for a long time, "'the girl thinking of Miss Godede "'in her flashing beauty, "'the other of Jean, "'bent over the cold face of his dead love, "'And then Helen spoke again. "'But tell me, the attack on the cabin, "'was that man who captured me, that man Chickmunk, "'was he the inspirer of that?' "'I'm afraid not. "'Then it was Gerald Ainley who was to pay the price for me "'that the half-breed told me of, "'and that is why he collapsed so utterly "'when Chickmunk came along just now.' "'Yes,' answered Stane simply. But why did he shoot down Chipmunk's party? Well, I think it was to get rid of witnesses who might rise up against him. You must remember that he would be under the impression that I was dead. Killed in the attack, and that was a crime that might some day have come to light if those men had lived. The pretended rescue was a sufficient excuse for getting rid of the men, who knew the instigator, particularly of the half-breed yes said helen thoughtfully an idea of that sort had occurred to me from something chipmunk had said but how dreadful it is to think that a man can so conspire to-to she broke off without completing her words and stane nodded there was always a crooked strain in ainley but it will go hard with him now for the half-breed will be merciless he is the man anderton was after when he came to the cabin, and his life is forfeit on another account. He will not spare the man who bribed him to fresh crime, and then dealt treacherously with him. He paused in his walk and looked back towards the fire, where Ainley sat riding, with Chipmunk glowering at him across the fire, while Anderton sat staring abstractly into the glowing logs. Then a stealthy movement of the half-breeds arrested his attention the man had thrust his hand into his furs and as it was withdrawn stane caught the sight of something that gleamed in the firelight in a flash he saw what was about to happen and shouted a hurried warning look out ainley in the same second the half-breed standing swiftly upright launched himself across the fire at ainley knife in hand the white man who had looked up at stane's sudden warning was bowled over in the snow, with the half-breed on top of him. The knife was lifted, but never struck, for in that second Anderton also had leaped, and gripping the half-breed's wrist he twisted the knife from his grasp, and flinging it away dragged the attacker from his victim. By the time Stane had reached the scene, Ainley was gathering up some scattered paper, apparently none the worse for the encounter while Anderton was admonishing the half-breed. "'You're a nice lot, chipmunk. Winged as you are, I thought you were quite safe. Now you force forced me to tie you up, Savvy?' He promptly proceeded to do so, while Ainley seated himself anew and looked up at Stane. "'Thank you, Stane. The warning was more than I deserved from you.' Then he laughed bitterly. "'The poor devil isn't to be blamed.' I have merited what he meant to do, and you know it might have been the better way for me." Stane looked at him, not knowing what to reply. There was something about Ainley that moved him to sudden pity. He looked like a man who had reached the end of hope and life, and his words were those of a man viewing his own end as a matter of no moment. "'I'm sorry, Ainley,' said Stane, awkwardly. "'So am I, but what's the use?' there's no going back in life a man can only go forward or-or what asked stane or go out answered the other grimly you are thinking of better for you not to know stane i am going to do the straight thing for once in my life as you will discover presently don't you worry about me i am plumb at the end of things and i know it BUT DON'T COMMUNICATE ANY SUSPICIONS YOU MAY HAPPEN TO HAVE TO ANDERTON. HE HAS SET UP THAT PRECIOUS DUTY OF HIS AS A FETISH, WORSHIPS IT, AS YOU HEARD. THINK OF DANDY ANDERTON OF THE OLD DAYS ON HIS KNEES AT THE SHRINE OF DUTY. HE GAVE A LITTLE LAUGH AND THEN CONTINUED. BUT I DON'T WANT TO BE OFFERED ON HIS ALTAR, AND I WON'T BE. YOU CAN BANK ON THAT. HE BROKE OFF AND LOOKED TOWARDS HELEN hovering on the edge of the shadows. If you've any sense, Stane, you'll go and persuade Helen to lie down and rest. She must be worn out by now. Stane nodded and turned away, and after a little more walking to and fro, Helen sought the tent, while Stane, after a word or two with Anderton and Jean Bernard, rolled himself into his sleeping furs, though with little hope of sleep, he lay awake some time, and frequently opened his eyes to see Ainley still bent over his pocketbook, But presently drowsiness overcame him. The last time his eyes alighted on Ainley, the latter had ceased to write, and was sitting, staring into the fire with somber eyes. Then sleep overtook him completely. He awoke in the gray dawn, with Anderton's voice in his ears. And with the powdery snow driving into his eyes, what Ainley's gone? I left one of the Indians to watch. Not that I thought there was any real need, but the beggar slept, and Ainley evidently took the opportunity to bolt. Has he taken dogs? Asked Dane quickly. No, nor anything else that I can see. He even left his pocketbook behind, with some pages bent over and addressed to you here it is out of the wood it must be snowing like the very devil and he can't go far i'm going after him with jean bernard and i want you to look after chipmunk and these indians of ainley's all right Enderton, but you won't catch ainley you know why not because was the reply given with quiet significance i'm afraid that ainley has gone very far indeed a light of comprehension came into the policeman's eyes and he whistled thoughtfully you think he began and stopped i'm quite sure that ainley has started out on the longest trail of all why didn't he take dogs how can he last in this wilderness without and as you say outside the wood it must be snowing heavily which way has he gone his tracks are on the backward trail to the open country and in a blizzard "'Anderton, old man, let him go. "'You must guess what he's about.' "'Maybe I do,' answered Anderton quietly. "'And you'll only be wasting your strength for nothing.' "'I hope to God you're right,' broke out the policeman vehemently. "'But all the same I've got to follow him. "'Duty's duty. "'But you don't suppose I'm keen on taking an old pal to be hanged at Regina? "'I'm glad Ainley had the sense.' and grit to take the long trail on his own. But I'm bound to try and stop him, though I thank heaven that he has an hour's start. Now I must go. Keep your eye on Chipmunk. He stands for my honor and credit much more than Ainley, because of his original crime. So long. He turned away and disappeared into the forest on the backward trail with Jean Bernard, and half an hour afterwards... Helen emerged from her tent to find him bent over Ainley's pocketbook with a troubled look in his eyes. "'What is it?' she asked, looking round. "'Where's Mr. Ainley, and where are?' "'Ainley went away in the night. The others have gone after him. They will not catch him, at least I pray not.' "'You think he will get away?' "'He has taken a trail where they are not likely to follow.' "'Oh!' cried Helen with a sob. "'You mean that he, that he?' "'Yes, he hinted his intention to me last night. "'And you did not try to stop him,' she cried, almost reproachfully. "'No, why should I? "'If you will think, Helen, you will find many reasons why this was the only thing for Ainley. "'He has left a long note in his pocket book, and a confession which clears me of that affair at Oxford. "'There is a note also for you.' "'Perhaps you would like to take the book "'and read the note to me as well.' "'He handed her the pocketbook "'and watched her as she returned to the little tent, "'then began to busy himself with preparations for breakfast. "'Half an hour later, Helen emerged again. "'Her eyes were red with weeping. "'I have torn my note out,' she said. "'There it is.' "'She held a crumpled ball of paper in her hand. "'It is the saddest thing I ever read.' He tells me that he was responsible for my going adrift, that he deliberately broke my paddle in order that he might find me and pose as a hero, because he wanted me to marry him and knew that I worshipped heroism. He says that he had made what reparations was possible to you, and that you will be able to clear your name. He prays for our happiness and, and, he hints at what he was about to do because he finishes with the old cry of the gladiators. "'Hail, Caesar! We who are about to die salute thee!' "'Oh, it is so sad! No eyes but mine shall ever read it, and I, I shall never read it again!' She moved her hand slightly, and the crumpled ball rolled into the blaze of the fire. She watched the flickering flame leap up and die down. Then she turned to her lover with streaming eyes. You are right to let him go, my dear. I, I pray God they will not find him. I also said, Stane. They waited an hour, two hours, saying little, neither trying to hide from the other the anxiety each felt. And then, through the mist of snow between the trees, came Anderton and Jean Bernard. Stane flashed a question at the policeman, who shook his head. Thank God," said Stane while jean bernard looked at helen the death in the snow it is nothing i know i have seen a man die so it is as gentle as a woman's hand as he finished speaking helen turned and went to the little tent to pray for the repose of the man who had sinned but had made the last complete reparation two days later when the storm had blown itself out all of them took the trail to fort malsom and at the end of the first day reached a small river that was unknown to Stane. Where does this go? he asked, over the campfire at night, pointing to the frozen waterway. It makes a big bend and falls into the river above Fort Malsum, said Anderton. And the other way, where does it come from? Don't know, answered Anderton. Never traveled it. But I have, said Jean Bernard. I have been up it fifteen miles two days trail from here there is an english mission where a married priest preaches the gospel to the indians he is a very good man who laughs like an angel a musing look came on Stane's face and he sat for some time in thought then when the opportunity came he walked with helen on the edge of the wood conversing earnestly a burst of light laughter reached the men by the campfire and Jean-Bernard looked round. "'What is the saying of your country, policeman? "'Youth, it will be served. "'It will snatch the happiness from the jaws of death itself. "'Yes, and these two deserve the happiness they will get. "'When Stane and Helen returned to the fire, the former, "'while Anerton was busy elsewhere, "'spent some time in conversation with Jean-Bernard, "'who, after a few moments, cried enthusiastically. "'By gar, that is a great plan, monsieur. The dogs in the stores, I would give them to you if I were not so poor a man's. But you can buy them with pleasure.' "'Very well, but not a word to Anderton till morning.' "'Right, monsieur, I understand. You and your missus give the policeman one big surprise. Is that not so?' "'That is it,' laughed Stane. And Anderton's surprise was complete. While it was yet dark and the stars were twinkling frostily, the three dog-teams were harnessed on the river trail. Then the policeman made the discovery that John Bernard's team was headed upstream. "'Hello, Jean,' he said. "'Are you going to leave us?' "'Not I, Monsieur Anderton,' said the trapper, with a grin. "'I go with you to Fort Malsum to help you look after Chipmunk and the others.' But I the team sold to Monsieur Stane. "'and he goes to the English mission.' "'To the English mission?' "'Then a light broke on the policeman, "'and he turned to where Stane and Helen stood together "'with laughter in their eyes. "'I could shake you, shake you both,' he said. "'It is a pretty game to cheat me out of the job of best man, "'but, great Christopher, it's the tip-top thing to do, "'to marry before you go out of the wilderness.' "'The missionary,' laughed Stane, "'is a godsend.' It would be folly not to use the opportunity he represents. "'So I should think if I were in your shoes,' laughed Anderton, joining in the laughter. "'And Jean says he laughs like an angel,' cried Helen gaily. "'I want to see him, naturally. I have never seen an angel laugh.' "'But I have, and so has Stane,' replied the policeman. "'How soon do you take the trail to paradise? "'We'll wait and see you start.' "'We're ready now,' said Stane. "'Then it's time you were off.' Hands were shaken. good said. Then Stane stepped ahead of the dogs, while Helen took her place at the G-pole. "'Mush, mush!' cried Jean to the dogs. Then amidst cries of well-wishes, they started off on their trail to the English mission, and the overhead lights of the Aurora, flaming suddenly, lit the trail with splendor. End of Chapter 24 End of A Mating in the Wilds by Otwell Bins. Recording by Richard Kilmer, San Antonio, Texas